Okay, good morning. We are glad you're here with us on a rainy long weekend, but you made it, and uh, I trust we're going to have a great time together. I'm wondering, have you ever heard the saying, when all you have is a hammer, everything starts to look like a nail? You ever heard that before? Okay, yeah, some of you have. Basically, this idea means like there's no one-size-fits-all solution to your problems, right? Like every circumstance or tension that you might find yourself going through, it requires a unique approach and solution. And a dumb person is the kind of person that basically thinks, oh, I can argue my way through any sort of problem in life, or I can earn my way through any sort of difficulty, or I can spend my way through any sort of difficulty. The idea here is that there is no one-size-fits-all solution to life's problems. But this morning, what I want to do is I want to convince you that there actually is one solution to all of life's problems. And the reason that I say this is because it's actually what the scripture says. I'm serious. Whether you're facing spiritual problems, relational problems, work problems, financial problems, kid problems, any sort of issues that you might be facing in life, you can actually address them with this one tool in your tool belt. If you have this one thing, then you can handle any situation life throws at you. Literally, you'll be equipped to deal with it. If you have it, you'll become more respectable. You'll become unshakable. You'll become a more peaceful person if you possess this. And on the flip side, if you don't have this thing, then life is always going to seem unstable and scary to you. This thing is so valuable that the scripture talks about it again and again and again. In fact, I wanna read you a passage here Proverbs chapter number three, verses 13 to 18, and and look at what the scripture has to say about this thing. It says, joyful is the person who finds it. And I had to censor what it is for just a moment because I want you to read the whole thing before you find out what it is. Um, That's not a curse word, okay? It's not like the answer to all of life's problems is just cursing your way through it. No, there's not a curse word under there. There's a six letter word that I think is very important. Okay, the scripture says, joyful is the person who finds this thing, the one who gains it. For this thing is more profitable than silver and her wages are better than gold. What? Like, that's a big statement, you guys. Because like, gold can solve a lot of problems, okay? For this thing is more precious than rubies. Nothing you desire can compare with her. Oh, it's a woman. Okay, ladies, you are the solution to all of... No, that's not what he's talking about here. Okay, she offers you long life in her right hand and riches and honor in her left hand. She will guide you down delightful paths. All her ways are satisfying. This thing that we're talking about this morning is a tree of life to those who embrace her. Happy are those who hold her tightly. Okay, you have any idea what the scripture is talking about here? Do you know what this thing is? Any guesses? Wisdom. Okay, some of you guys were right on it, definitely. I mean, you might have thought it was like a person. No, it's not a person. You might have thought it's money. No, it's not money. Maybe you think because it's church, I'm going to tell you faith. Faith is the answer to all of life's problems. Well, no, if we read the scripture, the Bible tells us the answer, the tool that will equip us to deal with any single difficulty that we might encounter in life is wisdom. Wisdom is the thing this passage says can make you joyful. Wisdom is the thing that can make your life more peaceful. Wisdom is the one who holds long life in her right hand. I keep putting up the wrong hand. The right hand and riches and honor in her left hand. In fact, this is why Proverbs chapter number four tells us wisdom is supreme. Though it cost all you have, be sure to get wisdom. 
Whew. Okay, the Bible is really hyping up wisdom, okay? Like it is pumping it up. It's making it seem like this perfect solution to all of life's problems. But seriously, now, there is no perfect solution to all of life's problems, right? There's not one thing that will address and fix all of the tensions that we encounter on a daily basis. Well, I don't know. If you take the scripture seriously, you will discover that wisdom is powerful. It really does have the power to help you address whatever situations you might be going through. In fact, in the Old Testament, we're told about a king who decided to do precisely what Proverbs 4, 7 says. He decided that he was going to devote himself to wisdom before and beyond anything else. He was going to spend his life trying to gain as much wisdom as he could, and then we see the result of that life, all right? As it turns out, because he was willing to pursue wisdom instead of like, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff that he might have, he was honored by God. And we're going to see that God was so pleased with his pursuit of wisdom that God gave him not only a very wise and discerning heart, but God gave him a whole bunch of other good stuff as well. And here's the great news. I believe that God makes the same invitation to me and to you today that we can have wisdom just like this Old Testament king did, and that if we would simply pursue it, we would discover it is the tool in the tool belt that makes life kind of fall into place the way that God intends. Okay, so this king's name is Solomon. Solomon is the son of a guy named David. You might have heard of David before because he's the same David who fought Goliath in the very famous story. And so in 1 Kings chapter number 3, where we're going to be reading today, David has been the king of the ancient country of Israel for like 40 years. He's an old man and he dies. And when he dies, the throne is passed on to his son Solomon. But Solomon is probably only 19 or 20 years old when he ascends to the throne and takes charge of the country. Like, We don't even trust 19 and 20-year-olds with credit cards a lot of the time, you guys. And this guy is going to be responsible for the entire country, okay? He's in a very interesting, maybe even overwhelming circumstance and position. And so 19 or 20 years old, the first year as the king over the country, we read in chapter number 3, verse 3, that Solomon loved the Lord and followed all the decrees of his father David. Solomon, too, offered sacrifices and burned incense at the local places of worship. So at this point in ancient Israel's history, there was no temple in Jerusalem. And so there were all these individual sites spread throughout the country. And if you wanted to worship God, you would go find one of these local places and you would worship. So we read in verse 4, the most important of these local places of worship was at the town of Gibeon. So the king Solomon went there and sacrificed 1,000 burnt offerings. Home dude had a real worship service, okay? Like this thing was on another level. He was like, this was all in, all night worship, okay? He sacrificed a thousand burnt offerings. Now check this, verse five. That night, the Lord appeared to Solomon in a dream and God said, Solomon, what do you want? Ask and I will give it to you. I gotta tell you as a pastor, I spend a lot of time trying to convince people that God is not a magic genie in a bottle. You know what I'm saying? You can't just like, God, appear before me. I'm gonna give my life to you and you'll give me everything I want. You know, it's like you exist, you're all powerful. You exist to grant my wishes in the world. I'm always trying to convince people that that is not how God works, except in this circumstance when apparently this is how God worked with Solomon. He appears to Solomon and he says, listen, I'll give you anything you want. You can ask me for anything except Accept infinite wishes, and I promise you, I will give it to you, okay? Solomon, I'm sure, just had his mind blown. Like, can you imagine if you were in his shoes and God was in front of you and he said, you can ask me for anything and I promise you, I'll give it to you. You'd be like, I I need a minute, God. Like, I don't know what I should be asking for here in the moment. I got so many needs. 
So God appears to Solomon, gives him the opportunity to ask for anything. So Solomon replied this, verse 6, You showed great and faithful love to your servant, my father David, because he was honest and true and faithful to you. And you've continued to show this great and faithful love to him today by giving him a son to sit on his throne. Now, verse 7 is where Solomon is going to make his ask. He says, Now, O Lord my God, you have made me king instead of my father David, but I'm like a little child who doesn't know his way around. And here I am in the midst of your own chosen people. They're a nation so great and numerous, they cannot be counted. God, like, I don't even know how many people are in our country and I'm somehow supposed to govern them all? He says, give me then an understanding heart so that I can govern your people well and know the difference between right and wrong. For who by himself is able to govern this great people of yours? Now look, we are probably never going to find ourselves in Solomon's situation, right? Like, we're never going to be responsible for a whole country. Sorry to burst your bubble. Maybe if you're young or something, you might still have a chance. But for most of us, we're never going to be prime minister of Canada, or we're never going to be the king of England or anything like that, right? So maybe Solomon's story has no bearing on us. Like, how in the world can this kid who's in charge of a whole nation, how can I learn anything from him? Well, here's the deal. I believe that the emotions and difficulties and tensions that Solomon is feeling and facing in the moment are actually not that different than the stuff that you and I deal with every single day. I, I really don't think it is. If you pay close attention, you noticed in verse number seven that Solomon said, God, I feel completely inadequate to the task in front of me. Like this nation is so great and I'm just a kid. I have no idea how I'm going to be able to rule and reign over an entire country. He said, I feel inadequate. If you paid attention in verse nine, Solomon said, God, who by himself is able to lead these people? He's essentially saying, not only do I feel inadequate, God, but I feel isolated. Solomon, facing his difficult choices in life, felt inadequate and isolated. Can anybody relate to that? Have you ever felt inadequate in life? Maybe there's some problem and you're trying to figure out how do I even deal with this thing, right? Like maybe you've had a spiritual question and it's just been bugging you for years and you've asked all sorts of different pastors and you've watched YouTube videos and nobody's ever been able to answer the question for you satisfactorily. You feel inadequate to answer this deep question that you have. Maybe your debt is just like so big. You, you think to yourself, how could I ever pay this off? Like how am I ever, ever going to get out of debt? Or, or maybe you've, you've done everything you know to do with your kids. Like every, you've tried everything you know and their behavior keeps getting worse. You're just like, I'm at a loss now. I don't know how I'm supposed to do this. I feel inadequate. Have you ever felt like nobody appreciates the weight of responsibility that you carry each day? Have you ever felt alone in the responsibilities that you've got to deal with? Like I was talking with somebody um, a couple of days ago and they were sharing with me how they had a loved one who passed away. And the loved one passed away many months ago. And they said, you know, the first couple of weeks, it's like everybody was so kind and thoughtful and they kept checking in on me and stuff. And, and then like, you know, after a couple of weeks, they went on about their life and it seems like everybody forgot about me. And they were saying, look, I, I don't blame them. I don't fault them for that in any way, shape or form. But like, it's several months later and I still feel the same anguish and loss that I did back then. And I just don't think anybody appreciates how long grief stays with you. 
They were somebody who felt isolated in the difficulties that they were facing. Um, you might have had maybe really wonderful relationships in the past. Like you just had a lot of friends around and then your season of life changed and they moved away or you moved away. And now you feel all alone. You feel like there's not really this circle of friends around you like there used to be. Or, or perhaps, you know, even something smaller and simpler, like you've been put in charge of a project at work, right? And outwardly, you've got to project all the confidence. You know, you're like, oh, totally, I got it figured out. It's going to work great. We're going to hit all of our deadlines. But inwardly, you're like, there's no way this is coming together. So people don't really understand. They're not aware of the pressure that you're actually carrying, the feelings that you actually have inside. You feel isolated in addition to feeling inadequate to your situation. See, regardless of like the specific details of our life circumstances, I think all of us understand this feeling. We know what it's like to feel inadequate and isolated when we're confronted with like choices in life, like which way should I go? What's the right decision here? Or when there's a problem and we don't understand how we're going to get past it or through it. So when God offers Solomon the chance to ask for anything, I don't know about you, but I might have expected him to say, okay, okay, Um, if I'm going to have a really thriving kingdom, then we need to deal with all of these enemy kingdoms that are around us. So God, since you're giving me one wish, I can ask you for any one thing. Why don't you kill all the other kings that don't like us? How about that? Kill my enemies, and then I'll have peace, and I'll be able to be a great king. Or he might have thought, okay, we need a big army or we need a lot of money in the treasury. If we had that, then we would be okay. He could have asked for like anything under the sun. But when he had his moment, the thing that he chose to ask God for was wisdom. I don't know, that's super interesting to me because if you're anything like me, most of the time I go to God and I ask him for answers, right? Or I ask him to intervene and like solve my problems for me. It's like, God, I'm facing this challenge and I just want you to show up, flip the script, do a miracle, be done with it. I want you to take this difficulty, take this problem away from me. That's the way that most of us pray and that's probably what I would have expected Solomon to do in this situation. But instead of doing that, he goes to God and he says, God, will you give me the wisdom wisdom to know how to handle these things. See, Solomon understood that he didn't need wisdom. I mean, rather, he didn't need knowledge. He needed wisdom. We've got plenty of knowledge, you guys. Like, thank God for Google. But listen, knowledge is not our problem. Wisdom is our problem. He, he knew that what he needed was discernment. He needed the ability to decide and, and to understand what's right and what's wrong and which way should I go in life. Wisdom is what he was after. He didn't need information. He needed revelation. He needed inspiration from God's spirit so that he could move forward in every circumstance in life. See, I think Solomon knew something that we don't, and that is God doesn't always give us the answers. He doesn't. But he always gives us the wisdom to find the answers. Listen, I'm a pastor. You might think that I've got like some special back channel to God, and when I ask him for something, he gives it. So I like people come to me a lot of times, they're like, would you pray for me because I know God hears you? And I'm like, God doesn't give me the answers any more than he does anybody else. But I can tell you, God always gives the wisdom to find the answers. See, I'm afraid that too often we go to God looking for answers. He says, listen, I'm going to give you wisdom so that you can discover the answers. I'm going to not just rescue you from the immediate situation that you find yourself in, but I'm actually going to give you the tool that will equip you to deal with all the other situations that are going to come up in your life in the years to come. We go to God expecting answers, expecting solutions, and he says, listen, what I really want to give you is wisdom. 
like if you think about it like this, think about it in the terms or the context of a parent and a child, okay? Parents cannot constantly intervene and save their kids from all their problems. Are you with me? That doesn't work. It produces like immature, spoiled little kids, unhealthy little kids. Okay, imagine a five-year-old comes home from school and he's got his kindergarten spelling homework with him, right? So he sits down at the dinner table and he's got a little pencil in his hand and he's working on the worksheet there and dad comes over. He's like, what are you doing, son? He says, oh, I'm doing my spelling homework. And dad looks at the sheet and he's like, oh yeah, cat, dog, red, car. I know all these words here. Let me do that for you. And dad does the spelling homework. Okay, if dad steps in that way and rescues the kids, some of you just elbowed your husband. You're like, this is you. Okay, um, if dad consistently steps in and, and, and intervenes in that way for his son, guess what? You're gonna have a dum-dum for a kid, like a kid that can't spell, okay? They're not going to be equipped for the future challenges that come their way. Let's say that the same five-year-old kid decides like, dad, I wanna play hockey. And so dad's like, cool, all right, sign him up for 10 bits, send him out there and uh, skating around in the first little game. And dad is watching from the sidelines and he's like, these kids are soft. I could beat these kids. So he straps on his skates, he goes out there, he's body checking all the little five-year-olds. It's like, yeah, dad can do that. But should dad do that? A lot of times we go to our father in heaven and we're like, just intervene, just save me, just rescue me, make my problems go away. And God's like, listen, my job is not to rescue you, my job is to mature you. My job is to develop you into a person that doesn't need me to come in and bail you out all the time. My job is to develop you into a person that doesn't get themselves into trouble all the time or the type of person that when difficult circumstances come, you feel like you're equipped to handle them. God doesn't always give the answers but he does always give us the wisdom to find the answers. That's why when we read God's response to Solomon here in the next couple of verses, like God is so pleased. We read in verse number 10, the Lord was pleased that Solomon asked for wisdom. So God replied, because you have asked for wisdom in governing my people with justice and you have not asked for a long life or wealth or the death of your enemies, I will give you what you asked for. Solomon, I'll give you the wisdom that you asked for. In fact, I'm gonna make you so wise, you're gonna be like the wisest dude that ever lived, okay? Um, even today, we, we, we actually compare people in modern times to Solomon. We say, oh, that guy has the wisdom of Solomon, right? Like it's like Solomon was known for his wisdom. God gave him the thing that he asked for. But in verse three, we read, God says, I will also give you what you did not ask for, riches and fame. No other king in all the world will be compared to you for the rest of your life. And if you follow me and obey my decrees and my commands as your father David did, then I will also give you a long life. Wow. God is so pleased that Solomon pursued wisdom and he asked for wisdom instead of like any of the normal stuff that people would probably tend to ask for, that he says, I'm going to give you not only the wisdom that you requested, but I'm gonna give you all the stuff that you didn't request as well. You're gonna get long life. You're gonna get honor. You're gonna get riches. You are going to have it all because you asked for wisdom. It's like, it's, it's almost a direct link back to what we read in Proverbs 3. In fact, Proverbs 3 was likely written by Solomon, so these are meant to be connected together. In Proverbs 3, wisdom is des uh, described as a woman who, again, holds long life and honor in one hand, riches in the other. And the passage says, when you embrace her, when you hug wisdom, essentially, you get all the things that she's holding. But if you were to pursue any of these lesser things on their own, then you would end up empty-handed. Because Solomon was willing to pursue wisdom above all else, he got the thing that he wanted and all the other stuff that he didn't even ask for. 
Again, same invitation is available to me and you. Like literally, I think if we were to go to God and to seek wisdom, first and foremost, like instead of a a new partner or instead of more money or instead of a better opportunity or anything like that, if we just went to our Father in heaven and we said, God, would you give me the wisdom to know what to do in life circumstances? I believe God would be very pleased with that. In fact, if you decide that you want wisdom, it's super easy to get. James chapter number one, verse five. This is one of the, like, I have this verse memorized. I refer to this verse in my own life all the time because it's so stinking important. James 1, five, let's put it here on the screen. The Bible says this, if you need wisdom, and who doesn't? Are you kidding me? Who doesn't need wisdom in 2022 to deal with their kids or to navigate their marriage or to figure out a career path or to deal with the idiots online. Like, who doesn't need wisdom in our world today? The Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God, and he will give it to you grudgingly. Like, you know, it's like, hey, God, you know, you told me that I could ask for wisdom, so I'm asking for wisdom. And he's like, oh, man, I wish I hadn't made that promise. You know, you you got yourself into this problem, and now you're coming to me for the wisdom to bail you out. Like, I guess I have to keep my word, so I'll give you just a little. No, the Bible says, if you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you freely. He will not turn you away. It's not like you go to him and say, Father, I need wisdom. He's like, get out of here, kid. I ain't got time for you. No, the the picture here is when we go to God and we say, God, I need wisdom. He's like, oh, you want wisdom? Here you go, here you go, here you go, here you go. Literally, the the word picture that's used here in the Greek is that he won't hold anything back. He's not like trying to hoard it to himself. He is dumping it on those who will ask. If anybody needs wisdom, all they have to do is to ask God for it. In fact, as far as I can tell in the Bible, there are only two times that God guarantees he will answer your prayer with a yes. There are two things that you can pray for, and God will say yes. Most of the things you pray for, God is going to say no to. I'm just letting you know that ahead of time because we tend to ask for things that God knows are not good for us, but that's another message for another day. There are two things that God says, I promise I'll say yes to. When we go to God and we pray a prayer of forgiveness, he always says yes. So like anytime you were to go to God and say, God, I know I've screwed up. I've screwed up in this circumstance or I've screwed up in all of these circumstances. And so today I'm repenting, I'm apologizing, I'm asking for your grace and forgiveness in my life. God will never turn you away. He will always say yes to a prayer of forgiveness. Second place that God guarantees he'll say yes to a prayer is when it comes to wisdom. If you ask God for wisdom, he will give it to you. Not he might, not if you're worthy, not if he's in a good mood, No, it literally says he will give it to you and he will give it to you freely. So when you feel inadequate and overwhelmed and isolated and alone because of what you're facing in life, can I just challenge you to do what Solomon did? Go to God and ask him for wisdom. God, give me wisdom. I don't know what to do. I'm not expecting you to bail me out in this situation, but I have no idea how to move forward here. Could you give me the wisdom to know how to move forward? Why do we do this? Because wisdom is the way to every solution. It honestly is. I know it sounds trite. I know it sounds like reductionist to say wisdom is literally the answer to all of life's problems, but it genuinely is. There's no relationship problem that cannot be solved through wisdom. 
There is no financial hardship that you cannot address with God's wisdom. There's no life choice that won't be simplified through wisdom. There's no spiritual battle that cannot be won with, uh, without God's wisdom. So I really think wisdom should be our number one prayer request. Like wisdom should be the thing that we pray for every single day. Rather than praying for more money, ask God for the wisdom to know how to get more money or to manage the money that you already have. Rather than asking God for a new spouse, ask God to help you to love the spouse the way that you should, the wisdom to know. Rather than trying to figure out, should I marry this person or this person, ask God for the wisdom, not to give you the answer, but to give you the wisdom. Wisdom should be the number one thing we prayed about. Ladies, could you imagine if every day your husband woke up and he said, God, make me a wise man. Make me a man that knows the right things in life. What's best for my family? What's best for me? Make me a wise man. Like, wouldn't you like to be married to a wise guy? All right, that didn't sound exactly right, but you're with me, right? Fellas, like, wouldn't it be wonderful if every day your wife was praying? Like, every day, God, make me a wise woman. Help me to know, like, what's good for my family? What's good for my career? What's good for me? Help me to be wise. Like, y'all, wisdom is sexy. Like, wisdom is that quality. I tell you this all the time, beauty will fade, okay? You're getting married based on how somebody looks or the amount of money that they earn, and all of that can be taken away. But you marry somebody based on wisdom, and all of a sudden, you've got somebody that you can vibe with for your whole life. Wisdom should be the thing that we are asking God for every single day. It should be our number one prayer request. It'll help you to address, it'll equip you to go through any of life's difficulties and circumstances. Oh, by the way, um, in James 1.5, I actually just gave you everything you need to know to help somebody in need, right? Like if somebody comes to you and they're asking for advice, you know, it's like, I don't know what to do. I've got these options or I'm not sure how to handle this situation. And so they come to you and they're asking for advice. I don't know, maybe you have a good word to share with them. You have good advice. And if you do, give it to them. Don't, don't hold it back or anything. But as a pastor, people come to me all the time and they say, Dan, I've got these two job opportunities. Which one should I take? I'm like, I don't know. Why would I know that? I have no clue which one you'd be happy in. Dan, should we buy a house in this neighborhood? or should I? I'm like, I don't know. I, I'm unequipped. I am inadequate to give you an answer to this particular question. And I, if I can just be frank, it's a bit isolating. It makes you feel a bit lonely when everybody looks to you as if you're the one that's supposed to have the answers, right? You're the pastor. You got the direct line to the big guy upstairs. So pray and he'll give you the answer. No, it doesn't work that way. So what I do consistently, many of you have sat upstairs in my office. That way, I'm over there. Many of you have sat upstairs in my office and you've said, hey, I don't know what I should do in this situation. I'm like, I don't know what you should do either, but I can tell you this. James 1.5 tells us that if we need wisdom, all we have to do is ask God and he will give it freely. So let's pause, let's pray, and let's ask for wisdom. It's what I do. So you can do the exact same thing to people that come to you. You can go to them and say, I have no clue how to handle this situation, but I do know that God promises he'll give you wisdom if you ask. So why don't we just pause for a moment and pray 
and trust that God will give us wisdom. So James 1.5, like seriously, you should be writing this down, make a note on your phone or take a picture of that so you can go back to this verse later. You're gonna need it, I promise. I will bring people to James 1.5 and then I'll bring them to Colossians 1.9. And I'll say, listen, you, you need to know what Colossians 1.9 says. Paul is praying for the Colossian church. He says, we have not stopped praying for you since we first heard about you and your situation. We ask God to give you complete knowledge of his will and to give you spiritual wisdom and understanding. Those two verses are all you need to help anybody. It's all you need to help yourself, to be honest with you, okay? So here's the deal. If God, <clears throat> excuse me, if, if wisdom is really the multi-tool, right? We're talking about tools in our tool belt. Wisdom is like a multi-tool that just lets you kind of address anything that comes along. If wisdom is the tool that you need, God promises that you should, uh, he promises that he will give you wisdom if you simply ask for it, then wisdom should be the prayer that we are praying every single day. So why don't we just pause for a moment and pray? Why don't we just take 15 or 20 seconds right here, right now. We'll be quiet. There won't be anything else going on. I'm not going to pray that you will have wisdom. I'm going to pray that I'll have wisdom. And I'm going to invite you to pray to God. Say, God, you said right here in this verse that if I asked you for wisdom, you'd give it. So what I'm going to challenge you to do is think about a situation in your life that you need wisdom in. And then ask God for it and see if he doesn't give you the wisdom that you need moving forward. So go ahead, right there, bow your head, close your eyes. Let's take a moment, just ask God for wisdom. Now, I hope that you did ask, and then I hope you'll keep asking, because. I don't know about you, but like God didn't just zap me with any wisdom. There was a thing that I'm praying to God about right now and I need his wisdom in and I just asked him for it. And I don't know, I don't feel any more wisdomous. Like it's just, I don't know. Maybe you just prayed and like, I don't know, the Holy Spirit hit you with some insight. There's a light bulb that went off in your head. That's awesome. Sometimes God will give you the answers, but oftentimes God just gives you the wisdom. Now hear what I'm about to say. Wisdom is not downloaded. Wisdom is discovered. We, we think that wisdom is downloaded. So we'll approach this prayer for wisdom in the same way that we approach every other prayer. We're like, okay, so the answer is wisdom. God, give me all the wisdom. Just zap me with it. Let me have it. But that's not how God works. Instead, wisdom is discovered. Where is it discovered? Well, we're told. Proverbs chapter number two, verse six. It says, the Lord gives wisdom. It comes from him. He's the source. From his mouth comes knowledge and understanding. So if wisdom comes from the mouth of the Lord, then we need to be listening to his word. His word is where you will find wisdom. This is where you'll find. So you ask God for wisdom in prayer. He answers your prayer for wisdom through his word. So if you just pray every day, God's at me with wisdom, you're gonna be praying that prayer for a long time and you're probably not gonna get any wiser. But if you would invest yourself in the word, like seriously, reading it on the reg, you would discover more wisdom than you ever understood possible because this is where it's found. It comes from the words of God. I'm in, I, I lead a connect group actually here on Wednesdays called Wednesday Wings, okay? Here's what we do. If you're a guy, you're invited. Come hang out with me this Wednesday. We meet in the lobby. I buy a mess of chicken wings and we hang out. That's it. It's like the best connect group ever, okay? And we were talking, yeah, a few guys are in there. Thank you. Um, we were talking last week and there were two guys in my group and both of them, independent of each other, are doing this Bible reading plan where they read through the Bible in one year. 
Like that's a lot of reading, you guys. Like I've read through the Bible multiple times. I've never done it in the space of one year. So that's an impressive feat. Can I tell you those guys, they are going to have a good bit of wisdom by the time they get done. Really? Like they are going to have so much more wisdom than if they hadn't read through the scripture or people who have never read through the Bible because wisdom comes from the word of God. That's where it's found. Now, if you say, well, Dan, I would love to read the Bible more, but I don't even know where to start. I've got good news for you. Next Sunday, we're going to, our message is gonna be helping you to learn how to better read the Bible, okay? So I, I wanna encourage you to be here next Sunday as well. Okay, wisdom comes from the word of God. It is not downloaded, but it is discovered through God's scripture and through godly counsel, people who know the scripture well. Now, here's the final thing, and I gotta be done. The final thing you have to understand about wisdom is that wisdom will usually ask you to do things that seem counterintuitive and counterproductive. Wisdom will usually ask you to do something that on face seems wrong or like, no, that's not gonna help. That's probably gonna make the problem worse, not better. But that's how wisdom works, okay? So um, in, uh, in 1 Corinthians chapter number one, we're told that the wisdom of God seems like foolishness to the world, but that God's wisdom is better, or actually what the scripture says is God's foolishness, which is an interesting phrase. God's foolishness is better than any of the world's wisdom. The first time wisdom speaks to you, you're gonna say, no, that, that, that can't work, no way. So like maybe you're involved in a broken relationship. Wisdom will say to you, you should call them and apologize. And you're gonna, no, they're the ones who wronged me. I'm waiting on them to call and apologize to me. They've got to make the first move, not me. And wisdom will say, okay, do it your way. That's fine. Maybe you're trying to get financially healthy. Wisdom will be like, man, that is such a good goal. I'm so proud of you. You're gonna be so happy that you did this. Why don't you start giving away a percentage of your income right now? you're going to say, what? No, uh, no. I already have more month than money. There's no way that I'm going to be able to give away more of it and still get financially healthy. Wisdom is kind of stupid, really. That's what people think the first time they hear wisdom. But wisdom often seems counterintuitive and counterproductive. Can I just challenge you for a moment here? Okay. It, It is your way of thinking and approaching problems in life. It is your way of acting and spending and responding. It is that pattern that has gotten you where you are today. And so if you want a different set of circumstances, you're going to have to approach things differently than you have in the past. And so the things that you think won't work might actually turn out to be the things that will work because the stuff that you thought would work didn't work. Are you with me? Wisdom often feels counterintuitive and counterproductive. So rather than hearing wisdom, whether it comes from the spirit or the word or godly counsel and saying, no, that's foolishness. It's never going to work. Trust that wisdom is justified. It's proven right by what it produces in the end. 